This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Here's the scenario. You've been injured in a serious accident. The doctor says your recovery could take months, maybe even years, yet your insurance company is denying your claim every step of the way. If something like this happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. We have offices in Toronto, London, Peterborough, and now Kitchener-Waterloo. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you. That's pretty good. The Raptors defeating the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis, 126 to 113, outscoring them in the second half, I believe, 67 to 42. That's right, 25-point margin in the second half alone. Some fantastic basketball played by the Raptors tonight. What may very well be referred to going into the future as the precious Achua game, as in 17 points in the third quarter, 17 points on the game. Zeros, goose eggs uh, in the first, second, and fourth. 7-11 from the field. 3-3 three of three from downtown. A fantastic Euro step to the bucket. And an exorbitant plus 28. 10 pluses more than anybody else on the roster. And my goodness, the Raptors coming together with, I would say, a very impressive win considering where they got so many different contributions from. And defeating the Memphis Grizzlies, who looked really great early on. I mean, in the first half, the Grizzlies absolutely demolished them in the paint. The Raptors looked like a team that was absolutely bereft of any size. They could not handle anything in the paint. They were getting bludgeoned. And they come back in the second half. They win this game, 126-113. to 113. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Rose Sampson Folk. Thanks for joining me. And so, yeah, where do we start with a game like this? It was kind of, it could be defined by a few different runs. Scotty Barnes with a short run in that the second quarter where he got out on the break and he, he had 15 points in the first half and most of it in that second quarter where he flashed into open spots for a post-up. He was running the break in transition for his own buckets and to catch passes on the fly. He hit a jumper, a triple, and we also had Fred Van Vliet's close to the game, which was immaculate. The end of the third, start of the fourth, where Gary Trent Jr. was tying on some, oh, just wow, some really high-level shot-making. He finishes 8 for 17, which is so on-brand that Gary Trent Jr. has this game where it looks like he's shooting just the absolute leather off the ball. It looks like he must be like 9 for 11, but he finished at 8 for 17 because he takes such difficult shots, and you just have to sit back and applaud him like, wow, 8 for 17 on your shot diet is absurd. And he got to the line for six free throws. Just a fantastic game for him. And four assists. For Gary Trent Jr., that's that's highlight stuff. He, he moved the ball well when it was available to him. And uh, yeah, man, 
Yuta Watanabe made his return and was the best defensive player on the floor in the minutes that he was on it for the Raptors. I mean, he was awesome. Reads he was making as a help side defender, two steals, two blocks. The two blocks were awesome. One was help side. He was the low man, and Tyus Jones tried to get one of those scoop, little flip layups in there, swatted, outrunning in the other direction. And the other one, he backed, like he basically like a chase down and met Dylan Brooks at the apex, blocked the hell out of him. They went to review. It was determined to be clean. He had two steals where he was just looks like a mind reader out there. He knows exactly what the offensive player is going to do. He fills the lane. He makes the proper rotation. The Raptors who, when you watch over the past few games, like there's miscommunications on X outs and close outs and rotations and peels and all this kind of stuff. And my God, Utah, when he's doing it with somebody, particularly someone like Pascal, for example, it's simpler because both guys know exactly what they're doing and it looks really, really sharp. He was awesome. He, did he bring that much offensively? No, the shot making wasn't there. He went to the line. He had three out of four free throws because he was doing what the Raptors really have a pension for, which is below the break, getting after it on the offensive glass. And he was part of that. He brought he brought some of that noise on that end. And so that's why he got to the line. But as far as offensive punch, wasn't really there. But you know what? He was a positive in this game. Even if he was a minus five, he was a positive. The Raptors, they really enjoyed his presence on the court. I can't wait to see what happens going forward. And Chris Boucher may be looking at the guy who's going to continue to steal minutes from him. If I had to guess. Tough to say, but man... He was really, really great defensively. Uh, Svi, with probably his, you know, as far as under pressure shot making, one of the better games that he's had. The eight points was a really nice boost, especially at the time that it came in the game. But the Raptors were just an absolute buzzsaw in the second half after the Grizzlies were the buzzsaw in the first half. And the first half, I think, is most easily described by Scotty's little run that he had and the Grizzlies' ability with Brandon Clark, two man actions where he's just getting into the middle of the floor. Jaron Jackson Jr. probably looking the best out of the post that he's looked in, you know, in many. I don't typically, and I watch a decent amount of the Grizzlies, I don't see Jaron go to work in the post like that too often. And he did. Balls were squirting loose so that John Morant had like four offensive rebounds. Guys like Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson had some as well. But Brandon Clark, Steven Adams in particular, got on the offensive glass in that first half a little bit, created some extra possessions, and... The Grizzlies shot the ball pretty well from downtown. Overall, not good in this game, a 9 of 29. But in that first half, when the ball popped out and they had an attempt, it uh, it was pretty good. So they just, the Raptors were not able to, between a mix of zone and man defense, they, they couldn't deal with what the Grizzlies were bringing in the paint. The good news is that the Raptors were much more aggressive guarding the stuff down low in the second half, and they forced turnovers, and they forced misses. In the first half, the Raptors kind of were like, well, we'll see if Pascal can guard Jaron Jackson Jr. on his own. We'll leave him on an island and see what happens. Uh, it didn't work out. Jaron Jackson Jr. with a really great post game. As far as like overall, it's not something he flashes very often, but he's a much bigger person, honestly, than Pascal Siakam is. And he got to some positions and made a couple shots that weren't that easy. Some nice push shots, nice touch on a hook, that kind of stuff. And the Raptors definitely felt the presence inside. Jaw was getting, you know, they run that high screen and roll with Clark or Adams or Jackson Jr. screening, and Jaw is getting downhill. 
he had a highlight poster on Chris Boucher and he was getting anywhere he wanted to on the court. He's just an incredible athlete that start stop that he has that can turn into an explosion towards the rim. It's so hard to keep tabs on him. And the Raptors had a really big problem containing his, uh, well, containing him at all. And so he got downhill, gaps opened up, the Raptors had to rotate really hard, and the ball went out to the wings, to the corners, and there was a bunch of shot making. In the second half, though, much better at resisting against that, uh, his ability to cut into the defense, and a lot more help side oriented when the ball would come down low. And luckily for them, you know, the, the Grizzlies shot worse from downtown on some open ones, some contested ones too. But the point being, the Raptors figured it out. And that helter-skelter defense that allowed 71 in the first half buckled down and only allowed 42 the rest of the way. That is the nature of the beast with this Raptors team, is the swing, you know, the high variance. What is going on? Regressing to the mean. And what is the mean even at this point, right? You allow 113. But you finished this game feeling like a dominant defensive force because you stormed back and you only allowed 42 in the second half. It's tough to tell exactly what's going to happen in any given game for the Raptors. You know, people whose opinions I really respect, they chalk this one up after the first half. It's like, this is just a really terrible matchup. But then the Raptors buck convention or tradition and they come back and they they deal with the game plan and they are extremely successful and they steal this one out from under the Grizzlies' feet, 126 to 113. Uh, Pascal Siakam deserves attention. Quiet game for him and certainly not his best. This was a game similar to the Jazz where the, the way the Grizzlies were playing him was what he needed to do, and this is what he did against the Kings as well, is for the most part, if he could have just had a game where he shot four of six on catch-and-shoot threes, it would have really greased the wheels of everything. Not just for himself, but for other players as well. And this was a game where he was one of three from downtown. He wasn't super comfortable with the jumper, and so he had to make do in other ways. The ball stuck a little when it was in his hands, but overall, with his ability to get to the line in this game and put a little bit of pressure on that back line of Memphis, uh, more positive things than negative things, I would say, offensively. And the Raptors really, he was used almost like he was ignored in a lot of the offensive actions. And I'm not, this is not something I'm upset about because of the way the Grizzlies were playing him. So, you know, the Raptors went elsewhere. Scotty Barnes had, you know, the very start of the game, he had a really poor section of the offense, you know, is like a five minute stretch where Scotty Barnes was trying to do everything in the half court. Nothing fell. It was a really bad stretch of play. But he had a better stretch in the second half where he was, or sorry, second quarter where he's being more reactionary and stuff like that. But the ball did go through him on multiple possessions. Fred Van Vliet, the pick and roll, I mean, he was 9 of 14 in this game. He was masterful, and particularly in the second half. But the first half, they were still running actions through him, seeing what they could get. If the ball funneled to Pascal at the end of the clock or maybe with 12 seconds left, they'd let him do isolation, get into a place where he could... Uh, take advantage of like uh, a post-up or anything like that, maybe that would happen. And the Grizzlies were also very happy to try and switch to get out of uh, advantageous spots for Siakam. So let's say if he had like Dylan Brooks on the block and the Raptors are trying to get the ball to his side of the floor to get him a post-up, the Grizzlies would scram Dylan Brooks out of there and send like uh, Jaron Jackson Jr. or Kyle Anderson or something like that. And that's, you know, that is a possession where Pascal just, it's it's not advantageous or as advantageous as it should be 
it's not like you can just go into the post up. You know, Steve Kerr has that famous quote where he's like, it's a guarded shot. As good as some guys are in the post, it's guaranteed to be a guarded shot. We're looking to try and get open shots like that, that type of logic. So the Raptors, if they knew that that was going to happen with Siakam, they let him sit on the opposite side of the floor offensively, space out to what he could, you know, command the gravity that he could. And for a large part, ignored, you know, ignored his touches, ignored what he wanted to do offensively. And he had no qualms with that. He he worked as a screener. He even had a Gortat screen, you know, the the screen on the defender who's coming over to do help side. It's technically illegal, but guys like Daniel Tice and Martin Gortat are really good at it. He had one of those. He had a bunch of positive screens on and off ball. And honestly, some handoff stuff. He was just a, a wheel greaser for the most part in in the offense. And that isn't what he should be. Ideally, he'll be able to take a little bit more advantage of the Grizzlies. But he didn't in this game, and he still managed to work his way into a bunch of positive, complementary roles. That's good. Was he as good as he should have been? I don't think so. But uh, defensively, you got to give him props. I, I think he had just a, a masterful second half. I think defensively, his court coverage was really great. I mean... He, he problem-solved a ton, and the fact that the Grizzlies couldn't get a lot of stuff going on in the paint was a credit to his ability to fill lanes, you know, as a rotating defender and to recover out to shooters. It was really nice to see. So, yeah, Pascal, a mediocre game, I would say, but getting 17-7-2 as a mediocre performance and no turnovers because he wasn't getting the ball in positions where they're telling him to play make, you know, it was... Just the isolation stuff. He didn't really get screen help. Uh, yeah, 17-7-2 as a mediocre game. I'm perfectly happy with that. But he still needs to be better. So that's uh, that's worth mentioning. But yeah, man, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr. in that second half. Precious Achua as well, really driving the offense. Precious, as I talked about, you know, in the open floor, a Euro step, finish at the bucket, hit three threes. Uh, none of which were particularly great created offense. It was just the defense leaves Precious open. That's right. It's, Precious is wide open at the three-point line every single possession of every single game. If he can shoot 100%, uh, the calculus for how teams decide to defend him, the schematics will change. And the run he had that just went absolute turbo time against the Grizzlies was a product of being left wide open and just being able to make a team pay for it. So credit to Precious. He also had, against Kyle Anderson, I believe he tried to lob Jaw. He had just a fantastic read as a as the low defender. He baited him into the lob and then got back to defend it. This is also something Pascal did quite well down the stretch too. So Precious Achua, that third quarter was a sterling, sterling performance from him. I enjoyed it immensely. Back to Fred though. Fred, some of those strength creation looks, he was able to get that left-handed push shot he hit when he got two guys on him in down on the left block after getting into the paint off the pick and roll. You know, reverse pivot, pass fake. Pascal seals the guy and gets, you know, into open space, and Fred makes that pass after creating the open lane as a passer. That type of stuff is not things we've seen from him very often in his career, but those types of passes are really special for a guy like him. His stature, his athletic profile, him being able to do that stuff is just remarkable. And a big shout out to him because those types of create those types of shots created are all that's missing in his bag outside of, of course, you know, the 
the finishing at the rim, which he also had in this game as well. It was just masterful. It was it was an all NBA guard level performance. And as a tag guy, you know, this is something actually I won't spoil it, but it's the Lewis Satsman stat that he brought up to me with that highlights Fred as a phenomenal tagger in the NBA. But he can get his hands on the ball. Guys typically bring the ball down when they land after a catch. Fred is just he's a heat seeking missile with that hand to bat it loose, to provide pressure, to make them make a mistake. Defensively, he was super sharp. Of course, he couldn't stop Jaw from getting it downhill. Nobody can. But I really, in the second half, he was awesome. He closed out the game, and he was he was almost perfect. An almost perfect game from Fred Van Vliet. This game certainly isn't his 54-point performance against the Magic last year, but this game is just sterling lead guard stuff. And yeah, Gary Trent Jr., as I said, just a guy getting into the middle of the floor. He draws the closeout. He's got kind of like a crab dribble into the middle of the floor. He loves to move it to the to get that st- sidestep going left. Or he can take that one step forward, get that push shot going up. Both of those in this game working very well. And two really hard threes. One was just a, an absurd step back that happened to drop. The other one, it looked like he got fouled and he just threw the ball ahead. It managed to drop in. His scoring output in this one was uh, a huge boon for the Raptors, 26 points. Just a super fun game. And honestly, on top of that, Malachi Flynn, the six points, four assists in his, 11, in his like 11, 12 minutes, really sharp. He looked awesome on ball. He had burst. He could get into the lane. He could draw a little bit of rotation. And he was making great decisions with the ball. That was huge for the Raptors because he helped stay or maintain the Raptors deficit for a time when the Raptors really needed to just float, to just tread water. And he was able to come in and do that and move them in a positive direction. I love that from Malachi and just a very fun performance from him in this one. Huge, huge fan. Uh, The Reggie Evans Award. Who else could it possibly go to other than Yuta Watanabe? This award was made for him. He's one of the hardest working players out there. It's palpable. It's easy to see. Some players, it's hard to interpret their game. You don't really know what's going on. But Utah, he wears it, man. You can see it right there. The hustle, the grit, the grind, which is, you know, he came, he came from the Memphis hustle to the Raptors 905 to the, eventually, uh, <laughs> the uh, Raptors, where he's playing meaningful minutes in meaningful games. Okay. Top quick reaction comment is from capital CJT. Quote, that was fun. Now trade everyone. End quote. Hey, you see it, brother. Uh, an excellent joke. A, wonder, a wonderful comment from you. I enjoy the lightheartedness of it. The, the shrewd commentary on the comment section, I would say, over the past however many games, over the season, over the whatever. Uh, I appreciate the levity. Thank you, CJT, for writing in. Thank you, listener, for listening, but whether you got into it in the morning or at night. Have a blessed day and goodbye.